Why did the web designer drown when she jumped in the pool? Simple, because she didn't know how to float. everybody's having a fan frickin' tastic Wednesday out there in web development land. You're listening to Real Time Overview, and I am your host, Michael Feenan. We are bringing you the latest web development news from all over the place, whether that be UX, design, coding, programming, or anything that tickles your fancy or ours, for that matter. If you have any suggestions for us, be sure to drop us a line over at drunkenux.com. If you see an article that you think should be featured here, let us know, and we will be happy to take a look and see if it makes the cut. As we get started today, many folks spend a chunk of Tuesday tuned in to listen to Mark Zuckerberg's testimony before Congress as the Cambridge Analytica story continues to unfold. It was definitely interesting at times, somewhat painful more often, And it also just goes to show how unprepared Congress may be for a future where data lives everywhere. But that's a story for another time. The more important news is that Mark Wilson has shared a piece about how designers would fix Facebook over at the Fast Company Design blog. The thing that makes this interesting is the contrast between Zuckerberg's statements about how so many changes and advances can take years, while folks are pumping out solutions like the ones showcased in this article. An interesting suggestion they start with includes making privacy disclosures for apps more complicated, to make them more intimidating as a way to get users to feel more responsibility for what they are allowing. A second option would be to allow the ability to do nothing but authorize logins, which is to say no data or anything is involved, just Facebook telling the app that you are who you say you are. One could argue that Facebook should begin requiring applications to justify access to anything more than that, but and we'll keep wishing. From there, they get into reminders, you know, something that Google sends out occasionally and even incentivizes users to go through. You go see who has access to your data and confirm that it's still okay, for instance. I would take this even one step further and highlight applications that I haven't actually used in the last, say, six months, and even encourage the user to either remove or restrict those applications. There are some other suggestions as well, all ones that would serve users well. Which raises the question, will we ever actually see something like this coming to Facebook? Google released an update over at their blog regarding work being done to support the CSS typed object model in Chrome. This is an update to the existing CSS object model that people have been using for years. One of the big benefits to the typed object model is that it will allow you to deal with things like numerical CSS values as actual numbers within JavaScript. It's a feature that would be great for simplifying things like math functions built around manipulating styles. Hence the typed component of the typed object model. It also introduces a number of new functions. These are all aimed at reducing performance overhead of manipulating layout through JavaScript. There's a full rundown of the specification recommendation that will be linked in the show notes in addition to Google's blog post, which is packed full of examples. For now though, This is something to watch and play with, but Firefox support is still forthcoming, and with Microsoft Edge, maybe, maybe not. We don't really know yet. But keep an eye on it, check it out, and see what you think. Go 
Going back to last week, we shared a video from NerdWriter that discussed the concept of dark patterns in web design. This week, there's an article at UX Collective from Craig Phillips presenting the case that design ethics aren't someone else's problem. I won't lie, looking at ethical issues of design through the lens of World War II Germany is a stern approach, to say the least, but it's also one that proves an effective counterpoint. The NerdWriter video mentioned that many dark patterns happen because designers acquiesce to bad requests, knowing someone's going to end up doing it, so they might as well get the paycheck for it. Phillips drives the point home in a statement that as an industry, we constantly talk about how design can impact people, how what we do matters and how lives can be changed through the work we do. If we really believe that, we owe it to users to fight harder against truly bad dark patterns. This article isn't long, but provides a good voice to the idea of owning your work and designing and developing responsible sites and tools. If you want to know more about dark patterns, check out the show notes from last week's real-time overview episode. We link some resources there. Matt Smith brings us back to accessibility this week with his guide to addressing color contrast in interface design. Visual impairment is among the most common disabilities in the world, whether that's blindness, color detection, or acuity. It's also the one most likely to affect any of us within our lives. The quality of your eyesight now is no guarantee of what you might see in the future. As such, ensuring you are building easy-to-read interfaces isn't just an accessibility concern. It's all about universal design and planning for the future of your users. Matt reviews the criteria surrounding contrast scores for text as well as what those requirements are. He provides the reasoning behind those scores as well to help designers understand why contrast scores are what they are. The article serves as a launching point for an app that Matt created called Contrast. It's only available for Macs, but it helps you immediately evaluate color contrast on elements you're working on. We haven't really tackled the topic of integrated marketing yet here on Real-Time Overview, so I want to start with an article that Katie O'Connor posted, sharing resources for email coding. Anyone who's done enough web work will eventually face the challenge of building an email to go along with either a web or a print campaign. That's when the pain starts. All those handy tricks you know about HTML and CSS and JavaScript, yeah, you can pretty much leave them all at the door. Understanding how to effectively code email is an important step at supporting both marketing offices as well as designers. Katie's article is a treasure trove of tutorials, testing tips, and tools, and that's all the alliteration I can pull out of that. And it also looks at the needs of things like Outlook and responsive design. Before it's all said and done, she even gets into accessibility issues to consider when designing for email. This is one of the best email design resources I've seen in a while, and it's absolutely packed with advice. So take a few minutes to stop and review it. The information there could prove really beneficial the next time someone approaches you with an integrated marketing plan. Lastly for today, Ty Magnin has put together four examples of bad user onboarding that will ruin your UX. Ruin might be a bit of a strong word, maybe, but they are definitely examples where improvement should be demanded if you have these kinds of problems. From account creation to introducing functionality to new users, Ty outlines some relatively simple changes that can make a user feel much more comfortable with your platform and get started with it much faster. This article can be a good reminder to companies to think about why things like offering single sign-on matter and how to get people to convert from a visitor to a user in higher numbers. 
It's a quick read, and it'll maybe give you some simple goals to go after if you're trying to increase your user base. You can read it at Ty's blog over at AppQs. You've been listening to Real Time Overview, and this has been your weekly web development news roundup. I hope you found some of it enjoyable. If you liked any of the stories that you heard me talk about today, run by our website at drunkenux.com and check out the show notes there. We will have links to all of those stories and a few supporting pieces as well. I've been your host, Michael Feenan. You can follow me on Twitter if you feel so inclined. I'm at Feenan. That's F-I-E-N. E-N. Check out Drunken UX. We are at Twitter and Facebook at, of course, Drunken UX. Be sure to run by our website, drunkenux.com, if you want to check out those show notes or if you have any show ideas for future episodes or news that you'd like to see featured on a real-time overview. Drop us a line. Let us know. We'll check it out and see if it makes the cut. We would be happy to hear from all of you guys. Stay tuned. Drunken UX is coming back on Monday. We will be having an episode with a featured guest on WordPress Gutenberg. It'll be a great show. Be sure to check it out. Until next time, keep your personas close and your users closer.